Take your Bibles from 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter number 6 this morning. And uh, as I mentioned in the afternoon service, we're going to learn a little bit more about our flag. And uh, as described in the song, what the colors signify are very important and also uh, important to us as Christians as well. Uh, so this morning we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, Memorial Day, a time that we remember those that gave their life in defense of our country. I encourage you to go to uh, the museums on uh, Fort Cavazos, so good used to saying that, uh, but uh, Fort, Fort Hood, Fort Cavazos over there. Uh, I know they're starting, they're opening up this summer, I think, into the summer, the Mounted Warfare Museum. I'm excited about that one. Uh, and I think that's what they're doing. They're condensing the museums down into the one uh, museum there. But they do have the Memorial uh, Hall for those that have received the Medal of Honor. And just the, the stories of how people earned it, most of them, uh, they were given the Medal of Honor posthumously, meaning after they had died, uh, and that they were, that's why they were given the medal, that they had given their life to save, to show they showed extraordinary bravery and sacrifice in the line of duty, and they gave their life so that others might live. And that's exactly, and uh, I remember reading one, uh, was in World War II, as uh, a grenade was thrown in, to a foxhole, and there's about five or six guys, and there one guy just jumped on it, and it went off, saved everybody else in the foxhole, and of course he died. There was one actually that did survive, but with severe injuries. And remember those people, and we're thankful we honor those people that they fought for a reason. World War II was to fight against the evil of of Nazism and fascism across the world, against Imperial Japan, against Italy, and against uh, Germany. Then in the Cold War against communism, and we're still fighting communism today. We fight communism inside our country now instead of outside. And uh, socialism, communism, it's all pretty much the same thing. Ends up in the same place. I understand there's technical differences, but it all ends up in the same place. And it's all based on one thing, me, humanism, man, not based upon the Lord and not based upon the Bible. And all of those, they gave their life in order so that ground may be won, the ground of our freedom. That it might be won and maintained. Not only they won ground, but they maintained ground. Back in the, uh, the Revolutionary War, or the War of Independence, that we celebrate on July 4th, we declared independence from Britain, and that war that followed, they fought to gain ground of freedom. Not only territorial ground, but also the grounds of freedom. And we're thankful for that. But also in the Christian faith, there, there are those that have fought the fight of faith. And we see that in... First Timothy, we see that throughout the epistles, the apostle Paul with Peter and the other apostles, they fought the fight of faith and they gained ground, spiritually speaking, with the church beginning and this church spreading throughout the world, the gospel being preached, they fought the fight of faith and they gained ground, some of them even giving their lives to do so. But as we see in our country today, unfortunately, there's too many times that we see that Ground is being given up. Freedoms that should not be infringed upon are being infringed. Things that the Supreme Court has no business meddling in, they're meddling in. And we're, our freedoms are being eroded little by little. To the point now that it's, they're wanting to make it illegal to have a gas stove. Right? Ridiculous things. You say, we laugh at that, we sit back and we chuckle how ridiculous that is. But that is a mindset of not that we should not have such freedom to have such things in our country. And that ground is being lost. Even among Christian people, are we 
holding the ground that has been given to us by the generations before and by God himself and his word, or are we giving up ground? Giving up ground. And this morning, if we could stand together out of respect for the ring of the word of God, and this is exactly, at the end of 1 Timothy, what Paul encourages Timothy, to not give up ground, but to be faithful to what he had been entrusted with. 1 Timothy 6, verse 20 And I'll read this aloud if you follow along with me. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. So this morning, I would like us to examine, are we gaining ground or are we giving it up? And if we are giving up ground... Whose blood are we giving up on? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this morning, that you would give me the words to say, O Lord, you've challenged me with this message. I pray, Lord, that we not give up ground, for it is ground that you won on the cross. I pray that we not give it up to the evil one. I pray, Lord, that even we would gain ground, that maybe some errors in the church or in our personal lives or in our families that has been lost. I pray your blessing. I pray that you pray your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, amen. I was wondering, where's Brother Scott? Brother Connor, could I get a glass of water, a bottle of water, please? That would be great. Appreciate that. All right. Giving up ground. So Timothy, Timothy, a young preacher, preacher of the gospel. He was the, uh, was mentored by Paul, was taught by Paul, and he was sent many places, Philippi being one of them. But you would consider Timothy as Paul's right-hand man. Luke was his physician. He was there with him many times. But Timothy was the man uh, that loved the ministry and was uh, a man after his own heart, serving the Lord and loving the Lord. But also in this time, there was great controversy. There was false doctrine springing up everywhere. There was controversies in the church. Uh, and also we know Timothy was a young man probably around 30, 35 years old, and he was going into very big situations that he perhaps felt unready for. But we see that in all of these pressures, also there was the pressure of persecution. Thank you. Uh, The pressures of persecution and all of these things, Paul is encouraging Timothy, don't give up with what you've been entrusted. So we see number one this morning, a faithful servant. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, a faithful servant is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. A soldier who's willing to stay in the fight. A soldier who's willing to give everything to stand for what he believes. So thankful for those that have given their life in defense of our country. They were faithful to the end. They gave their lives so that we might be free. Uh, And I encourage you, know your history. Know your history of the wars that were fought in. Uh, Know your history of World War II. Know your history of the Civil War. Know your history of the Revolutionary War. Can I tell you something? They're wanting to change that in a big way. Uh, Saw a library book. You know, it's harder and harder to find good books at the library, but saw a book from that was actually promoted by a school and uh, talks about the uh, Revolutionary War and how it started and how it made it appear is that we Americans were a bunch of bullies. And the poor British, you know, they were just here trying to do the best that they could. And we were the big bullies that wanted our own way, you know, making it sound like, you know. uh, But if you look at the true history, it was the British who were the bullies. Who were uh, taking land from people who were uh, 
abusing the people, taxing the people, doing everything they could to take freedoms away and keep them under the thumb of the king. I know we're not giving a history lesson here, but this is important because history has been changed. Christian history is being changed as well. Uh, very interesting, if you look at church history and the things going through, uh, you'll see there's a great movement today to change a lot of those things, to change where certain doctrines came from and whether they came from the Word of God. A fight upon the Bible itself. Is the Bible really true? But we see here with Timothy, he was a soldier who was willing to give it all. First Timothy 6, 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Another encouragement to do right, to live right. Second Timothy 2, 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All through First and Second Timothy, we see encouragement, encouragement. Don't give up ground. Stay faithful to the ground that you've been given. Stay faithful. Paul had fought some hard battles. He was a young preacher. He was the next generation. And Paul had fought some hard battles. And now it was Timothy who was to carry on the fight. We know that Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been beaten. Paul had been stoned and left for dead. Uh, we see Paul had been in prison. Paul had been abused in every way for the gospel. He had fought some hard battles. Amen. He had gone through some things. You can I ask a question here this morning? That... How many of you here, with well, just a raise of your hand, that you're a first-generation Christian? What I mean by that, your parents weren't saved or aren't saved, and you're the first people in your family to trust Christ as Savior. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, that's you. You're the first-generation Christian. Several of you. Okay, several of you, first-generation Christians. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now, how many of you are second-generation? Your parents were the first ones saved. That's me. My parents got saved. A lot of people, okay, a lot of you are second-generation Christians. Do you know this message is more geared for? You know who it's geared for? It's geared for the second generation, my generation. Second, third, fourth-generation Christians. Because of this, those of you that raised your hand, you're first-generation Christians, you had to fight some battles, didn't you? You had to gain some ground spiritually in your families. You had to fight some battles. Maybe some of you, you got, you, were, you got saved after you were married and you had to change some things in your family. Had to change some things with your kids and raising your kids. You had to change some things. You had to fight some battles. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we need to remember that there are some who have given their whole life to serving God. And let's not give up the ground that has been won. There are some parents here, as I just mentioned, that they have won ground for your family. Amen. I know my parents had to go through some battles and go through some things. Uh, they had to separate from some things. They had to say, no, we're not going to be involved in that. They had to fight some hard battles. And I'm thankful for that because it enabled me to stand where I stand today. And I understand there are things that have been entrusted to me, the things of the Bible, things of the Word of God, that I am to carry those things on. That's the expectation. There are preachers of years gone by they who have fought the battles, who have fought against apostasy, who have fought against the attack against the Bible. They have fought against liberalism. They have fought against all the false doctrines that are going on in the last 50 to 100 years. They fought some hard battles. For those of us that are in the ministry, let's not give up the ground. A lot of people are. Those battles were hard fought. Authors, we go on and on. Musicians who had to, who had to fight some battles to keep godly music. They had to fight some battles. We don't need to give up that ground. We go on and on. But what was that was entrusted? He says here, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. 
What was entrusted to him? So let's look at number two. Entrusted with treasure. Entrusted with treasure. Timothy was a faithful servant. He was faithful. Because he was faithful, Paul entrusted him with some things. God entrusted him with some things. And by the way, if you're faithful, you've been entrusted with some things. Second generation Christian, third generation, fourth generation, you've been entrusted with some things. By the way, if you're in third and fourth generation, you're still in church, pray, still in church serving God, praise God for that. Because it's sometimes by the third generation that they go off and they give up the ground. So if you're in second, third, fourth, even fifth generation, praise God for not giving up the ground. That's a godly heritage. Because you should take a look at Israel. After Joshua, how many generations did it take from them serving God to them forgetting about God in the book of Judges? One. Possibly two. It was right one or two generations there. Because all those that had seen the works of God, all those that had seen the battles won, all those that had fought the battles or had seen the battles fought, as soon as they passed off the scene, what happened? Freedom isn't worth anything anymore. We have to be careful. We take our freedoms for granted in America today because many of us didn't have to fight for them. Some of you have. Some of you have fought and you have fought overseas in the army and we're thankful for that. But many of us, like myself, I've never had to fight for anything. I've been thankful. I have just, I've enjoyed all the fruits of the freedom. But I have to be careful that I don't take freedoms for granted because they cost something. They cost people their lives. So in our past, we see Paul say, keep that which committed to Timothy's trust. What was entrusted to him? Well, the first thing we see is the gospel. The gospel was 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. said, For I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, they've died. What's this? This is the gospel in a nutshell, that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's what was entrusted to Timothy, to teach others the pure and true gospel. Because even in his day, there were those that wished to corrupt the gospel, to add works to it, to add the law of Moses to it, uh, to take away... Um, uh, uh, a holiness from it, to live how it, live licentious lifestyle. All kinds of attacks on the gospel were happening. And he said, I delivered this unto the church at Corinth, but also he delivered it to Timothy. He said, keep that. But also, who taught him? His mother and his grandmother taught him the gospel. He was saved. His father wasn't saved. From what we understand, he was a Greek. His mother was a Jewess. She was a Jew that had turned to Christ. And his grandmother... They had taught him the gospel. They had taught him the holy scriptures, the Bible says. In 1 Timothy 1.11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul said it was committed to me, and now I'm committing it to you, Timothy. I'm giving it to you. And this from one generation to the next, and passing on down. The gospel has now been committed to us. Has been committed to our trust. Are we being faithful with it? We've accepted it. We've believed it. Amen. We're saved here this morning. But are we sharing it with other people like we should be? That is what the purpose of the gospel is, is to be propagated. We are entrusted with it. But not only the gospel, we see also the truth. Look back at 1 Timothy 6, verse 20. It says here, to keep that which committed to thy trust, avoiding 
profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science, faulty so-called. So all these controversies, all these different opinions, there were many voices even in Timothy's day. We say, there's so many voices, which one do I listen to? The one that agrees with God's word, amen. Because that's what we need to be listening to. And even then, there was a lot of, of, uh, of uh, different uh, voices, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different opinions. Remember, uh, he's in the middle of the land of Greece and of philosophy, and Rome, Rome was the land of knowledge and technology. Sound familiar? And that's the day that he lived in. He lived in a very influential day, a philosophical day. And he said, avoid those things. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Right? And we, we look at, you know, science, and they say, well, science is, you know, a, an established thing. We, science is a wonderful thing. We have modern medicine today. We have a lot of things. But uh, evolution is not science. Evolution is a theory. And it, to be honest with you, it takes more faith to believe in it than God created all things. All right? Because... God created all things. That makes sense. You read Genesis, it makes sense. Evolution doesn't make any sense. Because all of it happened by accident. It just happened. You know, we think from one change thing, from one thing to another, well, why didn't they go extinct in the meantime? It just didn't. It just happened that way. You know, we go on and on about that, but that's science falsely so-called. It's not science. It's false. It's not true. God's word is true. And by the way, all that we see lines up with what God says. But why would people want to believe in that? Because if God created, because of this, a very important thing about this. If God created us, then we are special. We're not just an animal. We're a living soul, as the Bible says. And since God created us, then God has requirements. And God has laws. And God has rules. And man has broken those, therefore man is accountable. If man does not want to be accountable to God, then they say there is no God. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Why? You don't want to be accountable to him. You want to be lawless and live as you wish. I want to believe in evolution. I believe that's real science. Well, it's convenient because it takes away your responsibility to God. It takes away sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no responsibility. I can do what I want, live how I want. You know, we wonder why, you know, people are okay with people acting like a bunch of animals because they're taught that they are. Amen. Let's, let's be honest here. You know, so why are young people today in all kinds of immorality and all these other things? Well, if you tell them they're just a bunch of animals, then they'll start acting like it. Amen. Instead of what? And that's really demeaning if you think about it. I'd rather... Take God's word for it. When we look at it, it makes more sense, first of all. Second of all, but we're a special creation of God. If we're just, why do you think people take their own lives? Because I'm just an accident anyway. I'm just evolved from a monkey. I'm just an animal. I'm not special. I'm not a special creation of God. All right, I'm off the science falsely so-called soapbox here. Sorry, rabbit trail. Coming back. For 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed unto thee. Keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So keep the truth. Keep it. The Holy Ghost is going to help you. We know that he is the comfort. Also he will guide you into what all truth. He said keep the truth Timothy. Don't let other people and other philosophies and all these things corrupt your thinking. 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And knowing of whom thou hast learned them. 
meaning of God, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture. Now, let's pause for a moment. We know verse 16, right? All scripture given by inspiration of God, and we, we like to pull that one out by itself, but what is being talked about here? He said, they keep that which you've been taught and been assured of, and you can be sure of it because the Bible's true. Amen. Amen. We can be assured that what we believe is true because the Bible is true. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, learning them of God through his word, and that from a child thou hast known the what? The holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How can we know for sure? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not some of it. Not most of it, all of it. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Praise God that we have the word of God in our hands today. Amen. Amen. And for English-speaking people in the King James Version of the Bible, praise God that we have it. Don't give up the ground. Too many people are giving up the ground, although the Bible has errors in it. You know, it's got contradictions in it. You know, man wrote it. Well, it says right here, God said of himself, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. And First Peter says, holy men of God were, wrote as they were moved of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't their words. They wrote down what God told them to write down. A great example of that, when you see Isaiah or Jeremiah, thus saith the Lord. Isaiah didn't paraphrase. Well, how do you know? Well, if you know anything about Isaiah and Jeremiah, they greatly feared the Lord. And those people and those men, they were holy men. And holy men feared to even change one word of God's word. Amen. People who take the Bible and they retranslate it, make it say things it does not say, are not holy men. You do not have a proper fear of God when you start monkeying around with this Bible. Amen. Amen. So when we look at people, oh, well, I think it says this, then you need to just, we're not listening to you. Because they don't have a proper fear of God. We need to listen to people who have a proper fear of God. We're entrusted with the truth of God's word. Can I just say this? Uh, I, and Pastor Harvey's preached this for years, but, I, but I, I preach it as well. You know why? Because I talk to a lot of people that are my age. Okay. And I talk to preachers, and I talk to evangelists, and I talk to people that come through. And can I tell you something? It frightens me, the books they read. As you know who writes this, wrote this, right? You know this person is Calvinist, doesn't believe in the authority of the Bible. Oh yeah, but they've got some good things to say about how to build the church. Let's listen to them, right? Let's, let's go over there, because they, they just swore it so much better. Some things I never thought of. Probably because it's not in here. You know what? And you know, the Reformed people have good things to say. You know, they're, they're just encouraging and they want them this. And if they're Calvinists, we shouldn't be listening to them. And to be honest, I think most Calvinists, if they actually knew how John Calvin was, they wouldn't be Calvinists. Because John Calvin has killed people who disagreed with him in Geneva. He saw several people burn it. He killed 56 people that simply just didn't agree with his institutes. So it was a ruthless man. Is he in heaven? I don't know. 
I don't know if he is or not. I, I pray that he is, but we also need to be careful that there are some ruthless people along the way. We'll get to that in a minute. So we are entrusted with the truth of God's word. Let's not budge on it. Let's not budge on the King James Bible. Let's not budge on the doctrine of repentance. Let's not budge on the doctrines of salvation. Let's not budge on the doctrine of separation from the world. Let's be faithful to what others have fought to stay true to. Too many times ground is given up. Let's not do that. And that brings number three, the legacy of the faithful. On Memorial Day, we honor those who died in the service and defense of our country. And we're forever remind, reminded that evil will always try and destroy to free, true freedom. Always will try to do that. And while we also forever remind that evil will always try and destroy the truth with a lie. In the same vein, we need to honor and remember those who fought for the truth. We look at the prophets of the Old Testament. Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah. They had to fight some battles. The apostles of the New Testament. Peter, Paul, Matthew, Mark, and John, and the others. They fought some battles. Only John died a natural death. They all died in martyrdom for Christ. We remember them as well. The countless preachers, scholars, lay people who gave their lives in the early church until around the 1800s, the Moravians, John Wycliffe, and countless thousands who gave their life either in trying to have the pure word of God in English or the pure word of God in their language or died at the hand of uh, oppression. And in the Middle Ages, that oppression was led by the Catholic Church. Over 300,000 people died in the Spanish Inquisition. Now some of them were Christians, some of them were Muslims and others that were died to try and bring people back into the doctrine of the, the, Holy Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. But why did they die? Many died. They died for the truth. They would not give up on the truth. We see, even though like John Bunyan back in England, the Church of England was very, very strict When it came, they needed to be licensed. Why? So that they would preach the right doctrine according to the church instead of according to the Bible. But ones like John Bunyan didn't want to do that. And they were imprisoned several times. Well, that was a way long time ago. Even in the United States before it was a country. How many ever heard of Patrick Henry? Or Patrick Henry? Okay, Patrick Henry, very famous for his rousing speech, Give me liberty or give me death to the Continental Congress. But what he did was actually interesting. He lived in Virginia. And um, in the early church, Baptists in Virginia, that's an excerpt from an article, Baptists in Virginia were fined, beaten, imprisoned, and poisoned, and constantly under attack. Wow, this is the United States of America, okay? This is before, this is in the colonies. This is in Virginia. This is in the 1700s. Their services were regularly interrupted by snakes or hornet nests being thrown into their meetings. Baptismal services were routinely interrupted by pastors and those being baptized were held down underwater until they were nearly drowned. The persecution of them was both severe and very real. The British government and the Federal Episcopal Church were determined to stamp out Baptists forever. In their zeal, they tried all kinds of laws and forms of persecution all to no avail. Finally, they decided to use laws of disturbing the peace. To carry out their anti-Christian behavior, they had three pastors, Lewis and Joseph Craig and Aaron Bledsoe, arrested in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where they were holding a meeting around 1770. The pastors were put under heavy bonds for their appearance in court two days later. 
The news of this arrest spread like wildfire, causing a great deal of alarm among Baptists throughout Virginia. The news reached Patrick Henry, and he mounted his horse and rode the very rough terrain of 50 miles on horseback. Now, Patrick Henry, he was a lawyer. He wanted to confirm the news as well as attend the trial. Patrick Henry arrived and was looking for a seat when the three passengers were brought in and put in a crude dock. The magistrates, and their, with their wigs and gowns, took their dignified positions. The royal prosecutor then arraigned the preachers with great stage seriousness and gravity for preaching the gospel contrary to the law to the disturbing of the general peace. Patrick Henry, whose speech against the crown had made him famous, was just beginning to be recognized by some in the crowd. He jumped to his feet, immediately attracting everyone's attention, and said, May it please your worships that what did I hear read? That he hear that these men whom your worships are about to try for misdemeanor are charged with preaching the gospel of the Son of God. He then took the indictment from the prosecutor and reading the charge was for nothing else than the crime of preaching. He waved the indictment above his head three times while shouting, Great God, great God, great God. The prosecutor turned pale and the prosecutor was shamed out of the courtroom. The court recovered and the trial continued with the prosecutors putting on a frenzied rant. The pastors were condemned and the pastors given a chance at freedom should they promise to quit preaching. The pastors rejected the offer and were marched off under guard to the jail. As they went through the streets of the town, the pastors sang, Broad is the road that leads to death. The British government used the same tactics across all the colony of Virginia to the point Baptists simply met for services outside the jail walls so their pastors could still preach God's word to them. This whole scene propelled Patrick Henry into major action in support of Baptists in the United States of America. You don't read that in public school. You don't hear that in a lot of even Christian school curriculums either. But why is that? Well... Sometimes I think we want to make history nice and tidy sometimes. But the history remains. We know those who separated from the Southern Baptist Convention in the early 20th century over apostasy. John R. Rice, J. Frank Norris, and many others. They fought hard for the ground that they fought against. They fought against apostasy. They didn't fight against people. They fought against false doctrine. And we're here today because of the influence of those people. Especially John R. Rice was very influential on Pastor Harvey's life and many others' lives here and even mine. Let's be faithful to what we are entrusted with. The gospel, the doctrines of the Bible, a godly heritage. Let's not trade it in like so many others are. There are those that are trading in the gospel. They're trading in the doctrines like, well, we don't need to be so strict about things. You know, the Bible's a guideline. It's not really what we need to be doing. Is that what God says? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We love our country. We want to keep our freedom. If you love our country, we love our laws. There are some laws that we don't love because they're not according to our Constitution. Thankfully, we still have ways of getting those changed today. But we need to be thankful for the freedom that we do have. Also, we need to be thankful for the freedom we have in Christ. Can I just tell you something out there? There are people that say, well, you know, if you live how you want, you can be a Christian. Live how you want. That's real freedom. It's not. It's bondage. That's giving up the freedom that God's given you. All through the New Testament, talk about those that went back into Judaism. They gave up the freedom and liberty they had in Christ so that they could satisfy family, could satisfy their own flesh. 
they can satisfy their own desires. So this morning, we're entrusted with so much. Let's not give up the ground.